I V M. Hey guys, you're listening to the Taksha Shila podcast, and I'm Hansni Karigaran. This is the first of a special two-part podcast on postal security. So right now I'm joined by Abhijit Singh. He's a former naval officer, and he currently heads the Maritime Policy Initiative at the Observer Research Foundation. So Abhijit, can you tell me what are uh, the major threats to coastal security in India? Thank you so much for having me here. I think coastal security has been uh, uh, an item of discussion for the past. Uh, um seven or eight years actually after 2008 when we had the uh, 2611 incident at, at uh, mumbai uh the thrust of our efforts in coastal security has primarily been to prevent a 2611 type incident uh the the three agencies which is the navy the coast guard and the marine police have been trying to uh, coordinate their efforts to make sure that there isn't any incident of any militants landing on our shores and doing this but coastal security as uh, has often been uh, described and also discussed is much more than just uh, preventing uh, infiltration into your maritime borders it's also about uh, being able to uh patrol the the shores to make sure that there's no crime and illegal activity that happens for instance no no drug trafficking no no human trafficking no overfishing um other illegal activities at sea and it's also about pollution to make, to make sure that uh uh there are no um, ships that are ships and boats in the vicinity that are polluting our waters so you, so uh, maritime security generally is a holistic concept that looks looks at a ma- looks at a number a whole variety of issues in our case the emphasis the accent has been on um preventing another inc- uh, incident of uh, of maritime terrorism mm-hmm. uh that's how we have uh, approached this but uh, but the, the, this really is an initiative or a work that is still in progress there's a lot of talk about you know the constant tussle between who is actually responsible for uh, coastal security so the state says the center is responsible the center says it's a threat that affects everyone you have the coast guard the marine police the indian navy so out of all this mess what do you think needs to be done uh- I I want to actually go to the extent of saying that it's a mess. I think things are pretty much sorted out now. After 2611, which was this big wake up call for us, I have often described this in my writings as an inflection point in the maritime discourse of uh, India. Uh the navy was made the lead agency. So the navy is uh, is the central coordinator for uh the coastal security efforts. But the navy is helped in its task by the by the coast guard and by the marine police. Now on uh on paper, uh, things work pretty fine because uh, there is um uh there is some coordination that we have seen happen over the past few years uh, there have been some initiatives taken to make sure that the coastline is secure what actually has troubled us on the ground is that the marine police still isn't trained and it still doesn't have the aptitude to do the uh security uh, to take the security measures on the ground and that has for many years bothered both the navy and the coast guard uh we have made some certain proposals to improve the level of training of the uh of the coast guard of the uh, marine police but uh, there has been some level of some degree of reluctance on the part of uh, the state government as well as the uh, police to to take uh, measures in this regard is it only an issue of training is it also not about equipment or 
uh, internal politics within a state? Well, uh, there are, you're, uh, you're right in suggesting that this goes well beyond just training. Essentially, the problem is training and attitude, but it is also a matter of equipment. What happened was that post 2611, there was a lot of equipment, there were a lot of boats, uh, interceptor crafts, fast patrol boats that were procured. A lot of them were given to the state governments. But because the, the sailors there don't have the training and the aptitudes, a lot of this equipment was never used. And because it wasn't, it was never used, it uh, it uh, it has been lying defunct, and uh, and 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 things uh, things just seem to be drifting. Uh, so I don't think this is a problem really of resources, because the central government as well as the state governments, to an extent, have been have shown uh, willingness to to spend on uh, resources and equipment. But it is just that these uh, what has been procured using these funds is hasn't been put to good use. Okay, so when we're talking about uh, the role of technology in coastal security, a lot is made out of, you know, uh, coastal radar systems or AIS systems, of sensors and so on. So what do you think uh, is the role of technology? Look, there's been some achievements as far as coastal security is concerned. One of them is that we now have a whole have a coastal chain that works. So we have these radars that have been installed along the coast. We have uh, what we call automatic identification systems, AIS systems, uh, both on the shore as well as uh, installed in bigger vessels. They all seem to be doing a good job. So e-surveillance or electronic surveillance seems to be pretty much on track. But as uh, some uh, operatives in the field would probably point out that what you also need other than this is intelligence from the ground. So you need your sources um, uh, on the ground, maybe within the fishing communities and others that can pass you intelligence that could help you in preventing another 2611 type attack. I think in some ways uh, we've not reached that, that point yet. Uh, if we take the example of, say, the, the U.S. Navy and the, the lessons that it has drawn from 9-11, uh, they revamped their intelligence uh, structure completely after the incident. I think whilst we have had several successes as far as surveillance is concerned, we have yet to go some way uh, in achieving the required coordination as far as sharing intelligence is concerned. So while surveillance is, is good for us, intelligence continues to be a gray area. Uh, that's interesting because just yesterday, the 22nd of uh, September, there was uh, Mumbai was put on high alert because of suspected terrorist activity and so on. So isn't that itself an indication that there is a mechanism of postal security that works? Yeah, but you see, that that is an issue that actually highlights the problem, which is that when Mumbai was put on high alert, it was a bunch of students that... Uh, that informed authorities that they had cited some suspicious activity. If we have reached a stage wherein uh, we have to depend on uh, on school children and such sources to provide us with information, which that itself means that there's something that uh, that that we intended to achieve, but we haven't quite uh, quite achieved in the in in these past seven or eight years. There's also a lot of talk about you know using drones for uh, intelligence purposes, but that can't really capture your eyes and ears on the ground. That is true. You see, drones is good. Uh, we, we, have been, uh, we have a space-based AIS system. We do have uh, technology now that can, that can help us in, in, in piecing together a, a, a better operational picture of what's happening at sea. Uh, but really speaking, uh, unless you don't have, as you, as you rightly put it, ears and eyes on the ground to, to, to observe what is, what is happening, what is suspicious, and let the authorities know about it, uh, there, is, there will always be areas where uh, that will be a cause for concern. 
If we're making a priority list for uh, actions that need to be taken on coastal security, what would you think has the highest priority? Uh, I would say that simply needs to be, first of all, greater coordination between all the three agencies. I think this has to be a, a, a joint project in which all agencies are equally committed. One of the points that I sometimes make when I when I talk on coastal security is that as long as the agencies look look at this as a scheme in which there is credit to be appropriated, uh, this will this will this will not really be successful. This has to be a joint endeavor in which uh, uh, there is structured institutionalized participation from all the three agencies. So when it comes to the say the joint operational uh, centers GOCs, uh, I think there is a case to be made for for permanent uh, appointments of senior naval officers, uh, police officers, as well as Coast Guard officers. I think the intelligence flow has to be much more seamless. What has happened in uh, recent days, is, as we have seen, is that every agency does have its sources from where it does get intelligence. But for some reason, that intelligence is not shared very well within each other, uh, within, within the whole system. So I think there is uh, maybe a case for us to learn from the US Navy or, or the US system, wherein uh, uh, all the uh, security agencies uh, uh, share intelligence between themselves quite well. Um, so you should be able to collate the information, to analyze the information, as well as disseminate the information. So would this be like a coastal security information grid, or would this be something similar to the NAT grid? Well, we do have a NAT grid, and it is supposed to do this job. On and on, on paper, it, 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 it is supposed to be doing this. Uh, maybe it is unfair for me to say that it is not doing this job. Maybe to a, to the, it has to a great extent uh, being able to uh, deliver on the ground, but I, I I think that one of the one of the reasons why we're still uh, lagging behind is that uh, we have not been able to set up a system in which that collection of information, that that evaluation of information, and the sharing of information has uh, has been uh, enabled uh, in a way that suits all agencies. I just think this is it is done on a very ad hoc basis. There is more, as as one participant put it today, more asking for intelligence rather than sharing of intelligence, and it is it is completely dependent on on the um, uh, on the whims of uh, whims and fancies of, of of senior officers that are manning those uh, stations, of what intelligence is shared and what is what is hidden from from each other. I think I think there is there is reason for us to be concerned about about that fact. But other than that, I think there is a need for a central maritime agency that looks at some of these issues, try to look at like the central maritime. The, we need we need we need a central we need an apex maritime agency that uh, there has been a uh, a bill that has been pending in parliament for a long time in fact it has it lapsed last year and it made some very useful proposals it said that there should be an agency that should uh, that should look at the uh, interagency issues uh, between uh, the police the coast guard uh, customs uh, fisheries other uh, i uh, i think there is a, there is also a case to be made for for a for a national maritime advisor who could advise the government on, on some of these sensitive security, uh, maritime security issues. Um, other than that, I think um, um, I think there's been a proposal that's been made to have a central centralized marine police force. Mm. I think the jury is out on that one. There is uh, there is little consensus amongst uh, uh, amongst the three agencies uh, over whether we should have an agency like this or not. I personally think that it should simply be duplication because the Coast Guard already has been empowered to do uh, to do the same job that the Central Maritime Police Force is supposed to now do. Uh, so I think uh, 
maybe if we could just empower the Coast Guard a little bit more. But I think the key still remains the Coastal Police. I think it's very it's key not just because uh, th- th- this has to do with with guarding the the coastline, but because this has to do with the state and that state's resources and the state's. Uh, um, state, states, uh, states, people on the ground that are that take interest in 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 securing the the coastline and the the maritime zones. All right, thank you so much uh, for this short podcast, Avijit, because it was really enlightening. Thank you so much. The pleasure is entirely mine to be here speaking to you. Thank you so much. Okay, so that's it for this episode of the Patricia Podcast. So this was the first of a special two-part podcast from Coastal Security. Uh, in the next one, I talk to Dr. Pushpita Das of IBSA on the history and challenges to coastal security in India. So this special podcast is an outcome of the roundtable discussion on reviewing India's coastal security architecture. This was organized by the Takshila Institution and the US Consulate in Chennai on the 24th of September. For more information, you can check the seminar report that is linked below and is also up on the website.